Welcome to the Artist and Podcast, a series of conversations about the visual arts. I'm Kira Hinton. And I'm Jamin Still. We want to invite you to listen in as we talk to visual artists of all kinds about issues we face in our work. So whether you're a visual artist, interested in the visual arts, or want to learn how to support the artists in your life, we hope these discussions will pull back the curtain a bit, leaving you feeling inspired. And perhaps a little less alone. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Artists and Podcast. In this episode, we're diving into the question of at what point can you call yourself an artist? And more than coming up with a specific, we're just going to kind of explore why is that hard? Why is this a question that we wrestle with? So joining Jamin Still and I, Kira Hinton, is Jess Velarde. Um, Jess and I met over Instagram. We both started our uh, painting businesses about the same time uh, and met somehow there uh, and have continued to be friends over the years as our businesses have grown, as our art practices have grown. Um, I so value her view of art and community, and I am so excited to have her here with us. And I am so excited to be here. And I love that Kira and I have this history. I think we met in some workshop or another in, I think, 2017. So it has been many years of long distance friendship now, bonding over art among many other things. Um, And I'm super excited to be here for this conversation because this is a question that I have personally wrestled with deeply and I'm very passionate about this conversation. (laughs) So uh, a little bit of background for me in, in case... You don't know me. I am Jess Velarde. I'm a painter. Uh, I am an oil painter specifically. Uh, I work creating uh, representational paintings of uh, foliage, florals, and figures. I also do portraits, and I paint in an impressionistic style. And I love, I love painting. I love paint. <laughs> I love oil paint, um, and I have a lot of fun with it. So super excited to be here with you. Yeah. All right. I, I, I think we're going to we're going to do some warm up questions uh, that just kind of help us get to know each other as artists a little bit. And so we're, we're each going to answer these. It's not just Jess on the hot seat here. Um, since we are all painters, I'm going to throw out a, a, a painter question. Um, what are the. Is it one or three, Kira? We had talked about this, like so much. Let's just do one. Like, let's not be too divisive. Okay, okay. What is one paint color uh, that you could not live without, and what is a paint color that you can't abide? So your mm-hmm. your your least favorite and your and your most favorite paint color. And mm-hmm. who who should we make go first? Should it, you, you, sh- you should definitely you. I agree. Okay, me. <laughs> All right. Well, um, man, I probably should have been prepared. I, I think, I think green. I use, I use sap green. Um, I'm, I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna have two answers. I love green. I love green. I love uh, just everything it represents, but also just how it looks. It's just really, mm. it's, it's beautiful. My cheat answer is I paint on black. 
And so mm. every canvas I have to, I have to do the, the underground of black. And so I wouldn't actually be able to paint without it. I've actually tried to do some paintings on white in the last couple of years and, and I, I just can't do it. Um, so that's my, my, my favorite two and my least favorite. And this goes back to my, my snobby paints, painting education days, phthalo blue. It is, um, it's a very specific, vibrant, unnatural blue that um, causes, uh, in many cases, a visceral reaction within me of distaste. <laughs> so uh, that's my answer. Oh, can, uh, I, can I jump in next? Do sure, it. Sure, please. Because that's hilarious. I was That was actually going to be my answer for the one that I also hate. Yes. Phthalo blue. Phthalo blue? <laughs> um, so I... I don't actually hate phthalo blue, but I I don't often put it on my palette because normally I, I work with ultramarine blue. Any other art, any other painters are going to probably un- understand this struggle on a whole other level. But um, I normally work with ultramarine, and it's a very um, mixing friendly blue. Whereas th- yeah, yeah. the phthalos are like super strong, so I, I think that's why I personally hate it because. As a, a traditional painter, I I mix every color. I'm very rarely pulling straight from the tube for anything ever. I'm I'm always mixing. And so that's how I use my colors. And, and so I always forget how strong it is because I don't use it often. And so every time I put it on my palette, I regret it because I'm it just takes over everything. And then you have to mix like 20 times what you meant to. And it, it just goes downhill from there every time. So Thank you. I'm with Thank you. you. That's, I'm with you. That's affirming. Yeah. So what's your favorite? What's your favorite Ooh, color? Oh, my favorite. Um, or, or the one you couldn't, mm, I guess this is different. The one you can I mean, my without. boring answer, sim- I'll, I'll cheat as well since you led the way. Uh, I feel secure doing that. <laughs> uh, my boring answer is white because I couldn't paint. You know, I couldn't lighten anything. I couldn't create any value changes without white on my palette. I use it a lot. Um, And I'm a, I love light and shadow in my work. That's a big kind of emphasis of the way I paint. Um, And so I love white. I love a nice, like, juicy highlight on the canvas. Um, But I think my favorite, if I'm just talking like favorite color that I put on my palette, lately it's been King's Blue Deep, which is a gorgeous, like, periwinkle blue um which i think is the color of the the pantone color of the year for 2022 which makes me feel really cool that i current very current i'm very on trend apparently (laughs) patting myself on the back for that great (laughs) uh i'm really excited to hear kira's answers okay so you you want me to play right into your hand. You've baited me well. Uh, so Jamin and I actually almost got into a fight the first time we met because we like have this fight? conversation. Yeah, like a fist fight. Um, because I only painted with phthalo at the time. Like I had so on my palette, I worked in a minimal palette and I had phthalo, sap green, and Payne's gray. And those were my only colors. Like I literally, and white, obviously, but like those three colors were my only, um, I would just worked in a limited palette for like a year. And so he goes off on phthalo blue and I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, and we, and I, I didn't it. even know you at this point, right? Oh, yeah. I didn't even know you. And I, no. I was just totally just like slamming. offending her to her soul. I know. We, oh, we right went at it a little bit. So we've joked about it. 
from then on. Um, but like, honestly, I do have to be honest now that like depend, now that I'm not working in that limited palette, I almost never use Thalo either. Like, you know, like, so I have to, I have to concede a little bit. It worked for what I was doing at the time. You came around. I'm, yeah, whatever. Um, my, I was trying to think about that. Like what color can I not live without? And if you just go like very basic, like it's in every painting, um, I have to, so I use gold in every single, like there's not like a painting that doesn't have gold paint specifically, um, golden's like fluid acrylic, uh, it's their, um, like bright, no, they're deep gold, super fine. So it's like, it's like painting with liquid gold and, um, it's in, it's in every painting. And like, I've done a bunch of paintings where gold is the base layer. And so you build off of that. So like you Magic. won't, you'll rarely find a painting of mine that doesn't have gold in it. Um, so I think that's like my, the one I have to keep, even though I want to list a couple greens or like actually transparent red oxide is my like second close. Cause I mix it into everything and I adore it, but gold's the thing that's in, in, in all of it. Color that I can live like, There are, there are, it's rare for me to like completely hate a color. Um, I don't know. So that's actually like really hard for me to like pull out a specific one. And I'm not going to side with you guys and say phthalo. Um, but I'm not using it as often. Actually, like kind of the, 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 I don't even know what the official paint color for them is, but the very like pale, they're supposed to be skin tone, but they're definitely not like white people's skin tone. Uh, they're like pastel pink-ish, but you can't mix it with anything to make anything. And it drives me crazy. And I accidentally have a tube and I hate it. So that's, that's really funny, Kira, because I actually have some of those that I use on my palette for when and I use them to mix. I literally really? have them on there for when I want to mix um, like a, a warm, well, I'll use like Naples yellow pale, like stuff like that. Mm, um, mm-hmm. But sometimes a like a pre-mixed ivory will will hop on my palette so that I can mix. If I want to mix highlights without going too cool or too like bright yeah, white, yeah, um, it's a little shortcut. But oh, I bet <laughs> it does really it funny. come mainly because of portraits and figures, yeah, like, and because I mean, of I'm, yeah, I'm painting so. people and I'm painting kind of re- semi-realistically. Um, so it's so it's just so funny hearing I love it like the different reasons the different approach like for me painting landscapes I'm like nothing is that color in a landscape like I (laughs) and I'm mixing it to make something else it just doesn't work so okay that's so fun I love that all three of us are painters and we've got that that thing to totally nerd out about and we absolutely could um but we made a, a kind of a decision as we started Artist and specifically the Artist and podcast that this is for artists. This is for like the humans behind the work. And as much as we could go into detail about art and our work and all of these things, um, we're here for you. Oh, we're here for the people behind the work. And so in that, the, the reason this is our first full length episode topic um, is because this is a topic that we are asked about very regularly. I would say every couple of weeks, somebody in the uh, Facebook community group for artists and um, 
asks this question, at what point can you call yourself an artist? Or something along the lines of that. Um, and I think it's a question that probably, <laughs> that all of us have asked ourselves. I know it is a question we've all asked ourselves. And I think probably most people do. Um, and in I think side by side of that, like why is the question, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to call yourself an artist? Why is there tension there? Um, if there isn't tension there and you can walk into that in, like easily and immediately like, I love that. Uh, and I'm so glad you're here. Tell me your <laughs> like, secrets. <laughs> yeah. Tell us, tell us how you got there so quickly. We want to know. Um, but if you're out there and you're listening and you're like, yeah, I can't call myself an artist without some kind of qualifier or some kind of cushioning. Um, maybe this conversation is for you because we want to dive into why, why is that so hard? Well, I, I'd like to jump in if I could and just say, I think it'd be cool to articulate some of those reasons that mm. I both know of and have experienced in in why it's so hard to call yourself uh, an artist, whereas it might not be difficult to call yourself uh, something else. Um, and even even me trying to explain it, you run into the first thing, which is, am I talking about an occupation or am I talking about mm. something that's deeper? That that is a that is a part of me in a way that being an accountant isn't part of an accountant. Maybe I I, I don't want to slam on account on accountants, but like as, when I think about being a creative person, when I think about being an artist, um, I often think about that in terms of my occupation because that's what I do. But I was doing this before I was doing this as a job. I was an artist painting at night in my off time, and. And so it isn't necessarily tied to your occupation. But I think that's that's one of the first roadblocks because occupation in our culture is so closely tied with our identity. Like, that's what people ask when you run into each other. What do you do? That's mm -hmm. the first question. And often our response, um, you see their response. Like, I, I, I'm a doctor and their, their eyes light up maybe because they respect that or they know about that. But if you say something um, maybe more menial, then maybe you're lesser in their eyes. At, at least some people in our culture kind of view it that way. And I think we're all aware of that. And so when we, when we think about identifying ourselves, I think we're bumping up against that. Like, am I making money at this? So maybe that's why I say no. Um, or, you know, there's grades of that. Well, I make some money, but I, I, I don't make a living or I make a living, but it's not a good living. And so like with each of those internal objections, I feel like we, we say, well, maybe I haven't earned that. I think another one is somewhat related, but we, we, we tie our worth with um, our... I don't really know how to say it. I, I think about the, the the stereotypical conversation between a kid who wants to be an artist and their parents, right? And they're like, I want to be an artist. And their parents like, oh, no, you'll never make any money. And there's there's this wanting to make your parents proud piece of it, right? There's this wanting to be in good standing as viewed by people around you. And so you want to be respectable, right? And so like, I think there's that piece too, where maybe there isn't a lot of status associated with artists. And so maybe I don't want to claim that. 
or mm -hmm. to claim that I have to be making a lot of money to justify the fact that I'm an artist. Does that make sense? I don't think that's all of it, but I think those two are ones that, that come to my mind. Um, and as we continue to talk and have this conversation, um, I think we're probably going to bring up other ones too. Yeah. I mean, but skill I, I just, for, is one for me. That was what um, was my hang up for the longest time is that I thought to be an artist meant you had to be mysteriously, magically talented, you know, whatever that mm -hmm. means, um, which I think in my mind, kind of what I had absorbed from broader culture and from my context was that it meant you had to be naturally good at it when you first started, which I was absolutely not. And for a little background on, on my journey, I um, wanted to be an artist from when I was a tiny child, but I, it took me about a decade of doing other things that were adjacent to it that I was, uh, that were easier for me. Like they came a little bit easier for me from the get go. Um, and I didn't care about them as much. So I, it wasn't a big deal if I failed. So I was more willing to practice. So therefore I got better at those other things. Um, so I did lots of other things and it wasn't until I gave myself permission to be a bad artist and I decided, oh, I think I'd rather be a bad artist than not be an artist at all, that I actually started practicing and doing the thing. Um, and then eventually I went back to school. I got my master's in fine art in painting um, and I'm now, you know, fully, I'm making a living doing this full time. It's, I claim that identity in its fullness, um, but it, it was a very winding journey for me to get there. And I think my biggest hangup really had everything to do with that kind of merit-based uh, identity marker of, well, I can't call myself an artist unless I am this good at it, which that goalpost is always moving, of course, based on your perception and the things you're exposed to. And so... Um, it's very <laughs> abstract. It didn't actually serve me well at all. Um, and it wasn't until I kind of broke that down that I actually did the work to be, to be an artist. Um, as in I was practicing, I was making art. Um, so yeah, spoiler, that's, that was my hangup was that skill-based <laughs> one. Yeah. I, I think an objection that someone might hear when they say that is, Okay, well, does that mean then, if if you are hung up on skill, does that mean that skill is not important? Does that mean like everyone, no matter what, can do this, um, and 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 this shouldn't have like a standard? And, and I say like I I guess that's an objection. That's also uh, a pushback from certain people who say like, well you got to have skill to make a living. Mm -hmm. I think that's a fork in the road. And oh, I think absolutely. those are two different conversations that we might think are part of this conversation, but the one about having enough skill or having what it takes to make a living, that's not what we're talking about, right? Are we all agreed here, Kira? Do you, do you hear that? And Yeah, I think what we, what we want to focus on is like, what are the hangups with... When, what keeps you from saying I'm an artist? If you're making art, what keeps you from saying I'm an artist outside of the, can you make a living at it outside of the, are you even going to sell your work? You know, like those are all decisions you make when you believe you're an artist. Um, or like they get, as you get down that road or whatever that looks like for you. Um, 
that whole, yeah, you do have to have skill. You got to know what people want, blah, 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 blah. That all comes with selling work. But I think what we are looking at is, yeah, what keeps you from saying you're an artist if you make art? But I do think that we, that skill outside of how well you can like run a business, the skill of your art is a hang up for a lot of people to say they're an artist, to like claim that because it's like, oh, but I'm not like, I'm, I always go off on the word dabbling. Um, I just (laughs) dabble. Um, And I think that's a beautiful thing. But usually when people like say that it's like as a, a negative, like I'm not making art. I'm not an artist. I'm just dabbling. Um, and I think Jess, this goes into your story. Um, you know, like if, if you believe you're just dabbling and that that's a negative thing and, um, you're only ever going to like invest dabbling energy into learning how to do it, into getting better, um, into whatever. And so when you go like, I'm I just, I'm just a dabbler. Um, you're only going to dabble. Uh, but if you go like, I make art, so I'm an artist, you might invest more time or energy or whatever into what will eventually make better art, um, but mm, doesn't maybe make you more of an artist. Like maybe that was decided when you decided you were going to make art. Um, so yeah, Jamin, anyway, yes, that, uh, the kind of differentiation. We're not going to go into like you know, to say that you're a professional artist. I think we want to delineate that. That's a different conversation. Um, But yeah, what uh, to claim the identity maybe uh, of an artist, what are, like, why, why is that hard? Um, Yeah. And I I think it's interesting because I like look at it um, and I realize like most people in the arts, I think visual art, is really specific to that because that so much personal taste has an impact in it. Like you could make really great art and people still won't like it because it's not their personal taste. It's so objective. It's so all of these things. Um, they're like, even if you're really great at it, that doesn't mean everybody's going to love it. So there's this always fluid objective thing in visual art. Um, and it's kind of funny to compare that to other professions, um, other identities, other creative identities, um, because you can, you know, you might have a bad dentist or a bad plumber and you're going to say like, yeah, they're a really bad dentist or they're a really bad plumber, but you're not going to go around saying they're not a dentist. They're not a plumber. Um, we don't take away their identity by talking about the quality of their work. We allow them their identity and we can comment on the quality. Um, or lack and of. I think when we, yeah, yeah. Um, but we internalize that and it's an accepted sin to turn that like towards yourself, um, to go like, I'm not a good, I'm a, I'm a bad artist. I'm not a good artist. Thus I'm not an artist. Um, I haven't made it to that quality level, um, to claim that. Uh, and, but that's weird. If you're looking at art as an, as an identity marker, not that like you put your identity in a, in a weird way, but like you would list your role in life. You would list whatever. For example, uh, in our community, uh, gathering, our monthly community gathering, we talked about this a little bit. Um, and someone in our group, uh, used marriage as an example. You know, if you get married, uh, you are now that person's spouse. Um, 
you might be a way better spouse 20 years down the road. I would hope um, so. But you didn't be, <laughs> really hope so. Uh, but you didn't become more of a spouse. Like you didn't, it was, it wasn't like I, I was a, like, <laughs> you're, you're not like, now I'm, now I'm a spouse because I've got 20 years. Like you were declared a spouse at that moment. Um, and you are equally a spouse 20 years later. So would you say, would you say then that it has more to do with the commitment that you make to being someone you want to be or, or doing something you want to do, um, and your posture towards that thing, um, Mm. than it does to, I don't know, like the, the result of that practice or the end product. Because I do think even following that marriage metaphor, like you could be legally married, but there, there is some level of practice and continual, like a commitment to keep showing up that's required. So even if, um, I've been married for 11 years and when my husband and I got married, we were really young. We were both kind of bad at it at first, but we were still in relationship. And if one of us just took off and left and never talked to the other one, uh, we might still be legally married on paper, but that identity of being a spouse would not be something we would have been practicing. And so in some ways, I think that parallel tracks where it's not necessarily, you don't identify yourself based on um, how how good of a product you produce or like how skillful you are at that thing. But you can claim that identity marker based on um, your, your posture, your commitment towards it as a practice. Um, and that I, I think I hold that kind of loosely, like, because obviously there are going to be times and seasons and circumstances where you may not be able to practice as much as you want to. Um, you know, what happens if, if you're an artist who lo- loses mobility or uh, there, there's some life happens, you know, are you still no. an artist? And and I would lean towards yes. So it, it can't even be about just are you doing it every day? But I do think there's some level of if you say you're an artist and you literally never have made art and you never plan to and you don't currently, there's some validity in questioning that. But right. So obviously it's a very fuzzy spectrum. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not clean. If it was totally clean, this conversation wouldn't need to happen, right? Like, you know, we wouldn't have these questions. Um, but yeah, on that line, I think one of the dangers I see in like it your identity as an artist being affiliated to or connected to your, your talent, your output, your whatever is like, say you've set a marker in your mind. Like when I am this good or when I am doing this or when I'm outputting this, then I will be an artist. Um, and you chase that and you chase that, you finally get it. Um, and then like you said, uh, you get carpal tunnel and you can't perform as well, or, you know, something else happens or you just pick up a new medium Um, what now it's really messy because you're like, oh, I'm an artist in that medium and I'm not in this one. Um, or like, and it gets really sticky because then I think that some of the danger in that is you're not able to actually work through, grieve through, walk through that loss of mobility and how that impacts your art or, you know, have grace with yourself for 
picking up a new thing and being a noob at it, like everybody is when you try something new. Um, because you had finally gotten to that point that you accepted your identity, because you finally had that, and then it was taken away in your own mind and how you saw yourself. Um, you're not able to actually be present to that process in a way that's healthy and beneficial to your work, to yourself, to your community. Um, and I, I think that segues into another danger, perhaps, um, with this whole question, because, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a mom of a little girl who looks so much like me. Um, and it's a, it's an advice I've heard a lot is like, when you're, when you're having conversations around with, you know, like, oh yeah, I just, I feel ugly today or I feel whatever today. Um, but they, they see themselves in you. Um, that's super detrimental. Cause then it's like, wait, if you feel that way about you, then I should feel that way about me. And I see that at, with art, with, with being artists, because we are surrounded by people who might be interested in art, might be wanting to pursue it. Baby artists with people who are curious and whatever, uh, with children, with all of this. Um, and when we, uh, go, oh, well, yeah, I'm not an artist though, because I'm not outputting X quality or X amount. Um, I'm not even an artist. And they're going, I was looking up to you and like, I saw you as like the artist, mm. Um, but you won't even accept that identity. So I definitely can't like, you know, and you watch this like domino effect of all of this. These people can't see themselves as an artist, can't apply themselves in that way. can't, um, accept that identity and move with it, run with it, learn and grow and whatever. Um, because we have this deprecating self-talk that we think maybe only impacts us and, doesn't oh my gosh yeah so what i hear in what both (laughs) both you guys saying is that naming and identifying is is crucial to other people as well as to yourself so uh claiming the title of artist allows you to actually stretch into that right stretch your wings and and kind of say okay i'm i'm doing this like i have identified i'm going to take the risks. I'm going to do the things that artists do. Well, it's that it's the difference between I'm an artist because I do the things and I do the things because I am an artist. Exactly. Exactly. And then with what Kira's saying, it's, it's if the, the power of, of that in either direction, it can be really good or it can be really bad. Like, like your example with your daughter, like, I'm not an artist. It tears her down. I am an artist. Her, her claiming that I'm an artist, that allows her to do kind of what, what Jess is saying. And so that's, yeah, the power of words, the power of identifying and, and naming that is just so, so huge. It's huge. And it, we may think, I, I love, Kira, that you brought that up. Because so often we think that the way we talk to ourselves, even if it's worse, even if it's things we would never say to anyone else, um, we kind of let it pass because it's to ourselves, right? So it's like, oh, I'm just putting myself down. I'm just, you know, I'm trying not to be prideful or whatever whatever the the reason is that we do that. But I I feel like it overflows. And so even if you feel like you would never talk about other people 
the way you talk to yourself. And even if you never, you know, verbalize that or, you know, go, you know, be a troll on the internet and, and type it out, you're still probably engaging in some form of thought practice that perceives other people, other humans, the same way you perceive yourself. Um, and so if you're going to apply those kind of qualifiers to yourself and say, well, I don't get to call myself an artist because I haven't been educated in this way, or I can't paint the way I wish I could, or I, I haven't had a gallery show, or I can't do what this person does. And you're always kind of you know, you get stuck in that comparison trap, which is really where it leads. Um, I don't think you can do that to yourself without falling into the trap of doing it to other people. And so to me, any sort of, you know, like uh, policing or gatekeeping of the artist as an identity marker leads towards just kind of a gross, like competitive game that I just personally have no interest in participating in. So I would much rather lean into this like democratization of the term as an identity you can claim, a thing you can practice, something you can be and be like, yes, anyone can do it. I don't care what it looks like for you. I don't care if you are amazing at it or terrible at it, if if that's something you want to do with your life, you get to claim to be that. And, you know, myself or anyone else doesn't get to tell you that, that you're not. Um, and obviously that doesn't translate to everything in life, but I think when it comes to art, I would rather lean too far in that direction because I think it just serves us and it serves c- community life so much better. Oh, we have too much art. That's beautiful. <laughs> oh, shucks. Good. <laughs> yeah, I think right. there's a self there's a self-protective bent in in that, right? There's a there's a scarcity mindset of mm. I I don't want to lose uh to someone else as though that's how it works, you know? Um yeah, yeah it really does expose a certain kind of I want to say ugliness, but also um, fear and and I don't know, like uh, it, it shows us something about ourselves. Uh, I, I think it, when when that's what we struggle with, and and I do a lot. I mean, I, I'm I'm there. I don't think this is something we're talking about in the abstract sense. You know, this is like, oh yeah, I see, I see that in myself a lot. So that's super, super good. That's really mm. good. I think that's where. Well, I, sorry, go, go ahead, Karen. <laughs> no, go for it. I was just gonna say. I think. I think that's where the differentiation of the question of when can you call yourself an artist versus when can you call yourself a professional artist. Mm-hmm. That's why it's important that those are different conversations, right? Because it is true that you could make art, call yourself an artist, and not be able to run a business or make a living doing that or generate mm-hmm. income or choose it, not to, or like, you could, cho- you could choose not to. Absolutely. You might um, make great quality and not pursue being a per- like selling it or making money at it. You know, that's why I think those s- stay separate because yeah. 
it, that's a choice that you can make. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think in the conversation about whether or not you can be a professional artist, skill does come into that conversation in a totally different way because you need the to have a certain level of skill, uh, uh, the ability to run a business, to create work that people will want to buy, you know, the skills to sell it. That's a that's a whole different conversation and a whole different question. Mm-hmm. Um and I think those are are important conversations and good conversations. But I I think on some level they are it's just different. It's a different side of this than what we're really talking about. Um and, and I think too the parallels of other occupations don't track in the sense that you can be an artist and not you know, want to have money involved in that. And it doesn't make you any less less of an artist. Whereas I don't know very many lawyers who are just like practicing law for fun on the side, right? So <laughs> it is a different thing. It's something you yeah. can do for the pure enjoyment of it. And many people do. And I think mm. it's important to acknowledge that like, hey, if if that's what you're choosing to do, if you're choosing not to to try to make money at this, that doesn't make you any less of an artist. You can still claim mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. as part of who you are. Mm. And, you know, in that, like, what's, I think a lot of this has been like, what's the danger of not viewing yourself as an artist, not claiming that, you know, in, and how that impacts other people or maybe how that impacts yourself. Um, and I, I wonder too, like the benefits I think we've hit on them a couple of times, the benefits of claiming that, of saying, I'm making art, I am an artist. At at whatever point you go, yeah, I accept this identity. Um, I think we've we've all hinted at, and I think it's part of our stories, when we said, yeah, I'm an artist, we also pursued it more intentionally and we got better. (laughs) Like a benefit to claiming I'm an artist was also getting better at it. Um, I think a lot of that hang up on, well, I won't call myself that until I'm better. It's actually like maybe shooting yourself in the foot. Um, 100% shooting yourself in the foot to do that. <laughs> you, you're not investing as much self, maybe, um, when you don't see yourself worthy of it. Yeah, you're, it's lack of ownership, right? You're not, you're not bought in. Right. If you don't, if you don't claim that you might not see it that way, but I I really do believe that if you, if you identify with it, it really changes your perspective. And I think it can change the perspective of other, of other people around you as they view you. But I think it really, it really orients you in a different direction that really kind of sets you up to, to fully realize what that means to be, to be an artist. Absolutely. Well, because you won't do the things if you don't see yourself as an artist. Mm-hmm. You, you yeah. just won't. That's really you just true. see yourself as somebody who plays with art or whatever. And like play and exploring and all of that you can do as an artist. Like I think I've, uh, I wonder if there's a misconception that like claiming that identity has to then change how you, how you approach it mm. in like a non-organic way. Like I'm going to do this and now I'm going to do it so seriously. I can never make bad art. You know, now I'm going to like whatever. Um, And that is intimidating. Like, it's like, oh, but once I call myself an artist, I need to take this so seriously that 
I suck all the fun out of it or I suck all the enjoyment out of it or whatever because I have to, because again, like quality is affiliated with that name, that title, that identity. Um, but I like think there's at the same time, huh? I was just going to say, I think there's also a level of like social accountability that comes when you claim a title, right? So if you say, I'm an artist, there is there is kind of a built-in pressure with that of like, oh, people might want to see my work. They might have opinions about it. And and so I understand where where hesitation or fear comes into that, where you may... Um, it can take joy out of the process if you're not ready for that level, if you're not in a healthy place where you're ready for that level of social accountability of other people engaging with what you do as an artist. But I do think um, you could be a secret artist. <laughs> I, I so, like I, I want to kind of expand our conversation about what does it mean to claim that title? And I, I think the important thing from my perspective, is that you claim it for yourself and not necessarily that you like wear the t-shirt and hold a banner. Um, because if you're not ready for that, then that's okay. Like if you want to keep playing without any pressure, then call yourself an artist when it's just you, but still call yourself an artist. Yeah. You know? And remove the like need for, again, like putting yourself in the spotlight, getting other people's input, yeah. getting all of that. Um, I, I was trying to compare this with other creative um, creative fields, you know, like like you said, with these other occupations, that's different because, again, that's art as an occupation. But, like, creative fields, let's say, like, you can pick up a book and you can go, like, I liked the idea, but they weren't the best writer, so some of these things didn't fall out right. Or uh, you can pick up music and you can go, like, they're really solid on this, but they're not the best lyricist. And you never say they're not a musician or they're not a writer. You, you allow yourself to say, yeah, they're a bad lyricist, but they've got this going and I think they're getting better. And we allow ourselves to say those things about other, other people, leaving their identity, leaving the artistic creative gift that they're pursuing and letting quality be something else that kind of orbits around that and is separate. Yes. Um, and so then you can look at yourself if you can go... Yeah, I can make bad art and that doesn't stop me from being an artist. Um, you know, I can say, yeah, I'm, I'm not that great. I am not good at figurative, whatever. <laughs> like, and I can say I'm, I would be a really bad figurative artist. Um, but that doesn't stop me from being an artist. Um, and I could also like grow in that, like, because if, if we release ourselves from quality being the defining mark or the whatever, um, and then we're allowed to say, I'm an artist, again, whether that's just to yourself or whether that's to others, um, and allow that. I don't know. I think being an artist has this weird hierarchy and prestige and, like, pride game that can come into it. Pretentiousness. Um, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and being able to go, like, oh, I'm a bad artist in this and I'm working on this and I'm an in-progress artist on that, um, takes away that and allows you to accept I'm an artist because I'm making art. Um, I've given myself to this. I'm passionate about it. I care about it. Um, and the, everything else is going to catch it. Like when it, when it does and when I want it to, and I can share it with people when I want to, I can keep it to myself when I want to. Um, 
those things don't have to drive your story as an artist anymore when they're released from your identity yeah. and the name of well, artist. And I, I think that's so important because I've never seen it go well for anyone, including myself, when those are the things that are driving. So whenever there's the extrinsic, like external motivators driving um, not, not just what you do, because I think that's inevitable that those things influence what you decide to do, but when it is what defines how you see yourself and when it defines how you identify in your creative work, um, it's just never going to go well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when you anchor into that identity first and that that healthy self-perception first, those things will naturally flow out of it and fall into place in their right time and you won't have to force it. Um, and the irony is that those are often like the things that are natural results of embracing that identity and putting that mindset into practice are often the things that people see as the external qualifiers that make you an artist or not. And so like for me, like currently in my life, you know, I ha- I have a lot of the things that are those external factors that someone someone might look at me and say, oh, she's an artist. I paint regularly. I have a studio space. Um, I show my work. I sell my work. I I have all these kind of like external things that are in place that signify to the world around me. I I claim this identity as an artist, and and other people look at me my life and say, oh yeah, you're an artist. But I the reason that those things are in place in my life is because about six or seven years ago, I said, I need to lean into this identity of being an artist. I need to commit to that. And I'm going to claim that. And once I did that and shifted my mindset and said, this is who I am, that's when I started acting, behaving, living my life like an artist, I started painting more frequently. I um, c- carved out a corner for studio space in my home. I started sharing my work with the world. And over years and years of doing those practices, those things grew into what my life looks like today. And if I had waited to say I'm an artist until all of those things were in place, I don't think any of them would exist, mm-hmm. at least for me, which is why I'm so like feisty about de- democratizing this identity marker because I just think it doesn't serve us to gatekeep it, mm. any of us. Let the business stuff work itself out. If, if you want to make a living at it, you can you know, do your homework on that. That's another conversation and, and we can engage that. I'm sure you all will on the podcast and I'm excited for that. But when it comes to just who gets to call themselves an artist, I, I just want to shout from the rooftops, like whoever wants to and whenever they want. And don't, don't worry about it. And if someone is calling themselves an artist and you don't agree with it, like 
What's it to you? <laughs> it's probably, it's really probably not hurting anyone. But it does hurt us when we gatekeep our, that, that t- title for ourselves or for others. It hurts us very deeply. And it hurts the world because the world is missing out on all of the work that doesn't get made. All of the beauty that never materializes. All those perspectives, all those voices that are silenced. What a loss. So that's, that's kind of how I landed where I've landed. How I transitioned from feeling like I couldn't call myself an artist to claiming that title. And then, you know, seven years later, <laughs> my life looks a lot more like the life of an artist. Um, so I'm really curious, Kira and Jamin, when did that happen for you and what did it look like? Hmm. I'll, I'll go. Um, I, I think, I think it was, um, I was not full time. It was, I was doing it after work. And I really did struggle with a lot of what we talked about with um, it seems pretentious to, to take this title and say it's mine. I don't really have um, something to show for it. And so there was a lot of kind of internal working of just debating that, like, how can I do this despite this? Um, I, I think for me, it was when I realized I couldn't not paint if that, I mean, it's terrible grammar, but like, Oh, I um, love that. (laughs) When I could not paint, when, when I thought about painting during my job and would go home and just so excited to sit down and, and, and work on it. And it was, it was, it was, it became clear. It was an inescapable part of who I was. And so I don't think at that time I really resolved all the things that we're talking about right now. Like I wasn't making a living doing it. And I kind of thought that had to be there. Uh, I, I did feel a little uncomfortable saying that because I didn't even finish art school. Like I went to art school and I dropped out because I got really tired of pretentious artists. Um, and so like there, there's a lot of like, oh man, like I don't even deserve to be uh, called this because I didn't even get my degree. You know, I, I couldn't even hack uh, finishing my degree. And so all that was still there. All that internal debate was still there. But it was when I just I, I just came to the conclusion that I just can't not do this. Um, and it's not like I remember the next day I, I then went around telling people that. But it was that it was that internal shift that you were talking about. Like, I'm a secret artist, you know, I'm secretly. This is who I am. Um, so, yeah, that was that was man, that was about 2000. Uh, nine or 10, I think. So about 12, 12 or 13 years ago. Yeah. What about, what about you, Kira? Yeah. Um, I think that's, I loved that. I can't, I couldn't not paint. Um, I think kind of similarly, I did so many creative things, um, and so many creative outputs, uh, and as I'm burning out on them or frustrated about them, um, I remember finally just sitting down and going, okay, I, I have it. It is in my blood to create, like to output to whatever. I, and I can't not 
<laughs> and that's incredibly lonely and it's incredibly frustrating. Um, so what is the one that I do just because I love it? Not because I'm trying to reach other people, not because I'm trying to make connections, not because I'm trying to find community and feel less alone, but like, what is the one that I make because I love making it? Um, and that was painting. And at the time it was watercolor. Uh, it was just for myself and randomly people would like friends would ask for commissions or, you know, something like that. And it was super small and super minor. Um, but it's like, okay, then I'm going to paint like I'm, and I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. <laughs> I know it was kind of like the resolution was like, okay, if this is like, I have to output, I have to create, that's just in me and it's in my blood. This is the one that I do just for me. I'll pick up the other ones here and there, but like I'm dedicating myself to, to visual art, to, to painting specifically in whatever form that took. Um, saying it externally, like again, the private, like I knew I was an artist. Um, I've even like written a piece like uh, with the tag, like it had this phrase that repeated like the artist creates on. And I'd written that months before um I started my business or did whatever. Like it was intrinsic. I knew it, but I would not say it to other people. Um, and saying it to other people came along with accidentally creating a business and it going well. And it was finally like, oh yeah, okay. People like buying the art, you know, they name you, right? You go places where they say like, oh yeah, this person's an artist. And it starts to feel more comfortable to say it out loud you know, and work through those qualifiers. But I don't think should be there when we accept it for ourselves. But I understand we work through that in social pressures and social situations. Um, but yeah, finally being able to be like, oh, I, I can tell people this, like, and I want to, I'm excited to tell people that um, they might not like my work. <laughs> they might not like what I make. That's okay. Um, but yeah, I, I accepted and I knew I was an artist for a while before I was sharing that or telling people that I was doing it. And it did, it came down to the same thing. It was like, I can't not do it. I can't not output something. And this is the one that I do for myself. And thus I know it's the one that's sustainable. That's like, I'm not going to burn out on. Um, it's the one I return to. So like that, that was kind of the answer for me, but Oh my goodness, this was so rich. And Jess earlier, just everything you said was just so perfect and spot on. And I, I couldn't even bring myself to say something because I'm just sitting here like, yes, <laughs> I should have yelled amen. I just started, um, so, started preaching a little bit. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it was perfect. Uh, that's why you were here. Thanks for being our guest. Um, Thank you for having and, me. It's an honor. Oh, it was awesome to have you for this first conversation um, and getting this to, to be our first conversation because uh, it just, it felt so essential to start here for something that's called artists and, and we're going to go into all of these topics that intersect our lives as artists, artists, and whatever that may be, fill in the blank. Um, for you to know that like you belong here, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a podcast for artists. Um, so maybe this helps, you know, that you can accept that and you can listen, you can take things from it. You can, um, you can walk away with something. You can bring your own voice. Uh, you can be here. Um, because if if it's in your blood, you can't not. Uh, it's there. 
then we're not going to sit here and tell you you're not an artist. Um, you take that name. Uh, and we'll yes. be glad to, to talk about all the things that intersect with your life as an artist in future episodes. So thank you all for being here. Thanks, Jess. Thanks, Jamin. Um, until next time. The Artists and Podcast is brought to you by the Rabbit Room Podcast Network, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. To listen to all the podcasts on our network, visit rabbitroom.com slash podcasts. The work we do at The Rabbit Room wouldn't be possible without the generous support of our membership. If you're a member, thank you for being a part of what is happening here. To learn more about membership and help us continue to create works like this, visit rabbitroom.com slash membership.